Again, inshallah, just do make dua for, for Sheikh Yusuf. He's actually quite sick. He gritted his teeth and did the, the youth certificate classes yesterday. But he is pretty um, he is pretty sick. So he's going to try to do some, at least some of the classes, whatever. So I said, you know, told him to get, get a little bit of rest. So I'm stepping in, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. I was asked an intriguing question, so I thought that I would share a lesson related to that, which is someone asked the question, why do we remember Allah anyways? Right? Like what's the, what's the point, the purpose, the benefit of remembrance of Allah? So given that you know, this is supposed to be a, you know, an interactive um, session um, and it's, it's useful to, to reflect and participate. So let's, let's hear from, from you, what, 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 why do we remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We'll start with the sisters. Any, anyone? And there's, I mean, there's numerous answers, so you don't have to sort of hit the, the number one top answer right away. Any thoughts? We're always in need of him, but you could make dua then. So why do we remember, why do we make dhikr of Allah? It brings the presence of angels, true. Yeah, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ Remember me and I will remember you. Any other reasons to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? From the sisters? Yeah, so to keep the eye on the ball, because that, that's, that's where we're going home to. The brothers are full of thoughts. In the khutbah, there's always, uh, I don't know if there's a Quranic word, but the Imams always quote, like, where in the remembrance of Allah is hard to find, right? Yes, it brings serenity and peace as well. Um, any other thoughts? Why, why do we remember Allah? Because he's our creator, that relates to the idea of we're we're in need of him, right? And but he's our creator. So what? But what is it about his being our creator that would make us remember him? Yeah, 
If it wasn't for Allah, we wouldn't be, be here in the first place. Part of its gratitude, right, is, you know, is to appreciate who, you know, who we are and to be, to be grateful for that. Um, one of the great scholars of the 20th century, his name is Sheikh Abdullah Sirajuddin, and he has a number of works that have been translated into English. And he's from Aleppo. He was from Aleppo in northern Syria. I never got to see him, though Sheikh Yahya did. I don't know how he pulled it off, because people weren't, like, by the time we, we were in Syria, we were not, like, he was no longer taking visitors. His, he was very elderly, his health was very bad. Um, and Sheikh Yahya wasn't in Damascus for that long, actually. I actually ran into Sheikh Yahya in Damascus, outside the house of one of the great scholars of the 20th century, Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Shaouri, I saw this frail, this tall, spindly American guy looking really pale and sickly because he'd just come back from Mauritania. And he'd been really sick in Mauritania because he studied in the deserts of Mauritania. Like, who is this guy? Instead of going and like greeting him, I was only 24 at the time. I was like, keep away from that guy. And then we became lifelong friends uh, a few years later. Um, but Sheikh Yahya got to, you know, got to visit him. And many of my teachers are, you know, studied with him. Uh, Sheikh Abdullah Sirajuddin, he has a beautiful passage where he describes the, the reasons why the believer should engage in abundant remembrance of Allah. So he says it befits the believer to engage in abundant remembrance of Allah Most High. In order to respond to the divine command, when Allah Most High tells us, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا ذكروا اللَّهَ ذِكْرًا كَثِيرًا O you who believe, remember Allah with much remembrance. Right? And th this was embodied in the person of the Prophet wasallam who was described by his own wife, Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, that كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَذْكُرُ اللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ أَحْيَانِهِ The Messenger of Allah وسلم, would remember Allah in all his circumstances. That whatever he, else he was engaged in, he would remain in a state of remembrance of Allah. And this is one of the secondary benefits of remembrance. Because, you know, prayer is you need a break in, in time for you to go and pray. And there's conditions you need to fulfill. You need to be in a state of wudu. You need to face the qibla. All these various things which may not be facilitated. You're at work. You may not be able to... I mean, there, there may be certain times when you can... You know, for your fard prayer or certain breaks in which you can step away and pray. But remembrance you can engage in in any situation. You're driving to work, you probably can't pray while driving. Right? Unless you're commuting between cities. But just as a point of benefit, anyone drives between cities, you can pray voluntary prayers. When you're, uh, when you're yeah, even in a car, when you're out of town. And when you're not in a town, like for example if you're on the highway driving, you can pray and you don't have to even face the Qibla. But you can't do that for the obligatory prayer. But that, that's an aside.
And of course, then you just pray with head movements. You just have to bend your head a little bit for the bowing and a little more for the prostration. And it's probably not permitted then to lower your gaze for, for prayer because it'd be probably a, a hazard uh, unless you have a self-driving car. So the Messenger of Allah وسلم, used to remember Allah in all his circumstances. Right? And the Prophet وسلم, gave a lot of different encouragements related to it. One of them is a hadith related by um, Imam Ahmad um, that a man came to the Prophet وسلم, and said, O Messenger of Allah, the teachings of Islam are numerous. So what is a, a, do, a door, a comprehensive door we can hold fast to? A comprehensive door we can hold fast to? Meaning what can we hold fast to that will enable us to reach all these perfections? Because a door is a means to the end, right? And for Arabs, the doors were not like our, our doors. Doors were doors of tents. Right? Then you want to get into the tent, you've got to open the, the, the quote-unquote door. Um, and that remained a habit of the Arabs, by the way. They, their doors, the Prophet Wasallam. His door was basically a, like a curtain. Right? And, but during the day, he generally kept that open. So the, the, the man asked, what is something we can hold fast to? The Prophet ﷺ said, Let your tongue remain moist on the remembrance of Allah Most High. Let your tongue remain moist on the remembrance of Allah Most High. And this is related um, by Imam Ahmad um, and similarly by Imam At-Tirmidhi. So this is a very simple advice, right? That even and we'll be looking at some of the, the, the benefits of remembrance, but the Prophet said, what is the key to reaching all the fruits of faith? Right? Because the, the man asked the Prophet, the teachings of Islam are so vast. So what is a means to all of them? Right? And the Prophet said, let, he, he didn't say, okay, let me give you a whole plan. He gave him one thing to do, which is keep your tongue moist with the remembrance of Allah. Because even if you're engaged in something else, unless your 100% attention is needed, just keep making dhikr with it. Whether you say, for example, subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. Right? Whether or not you're reflecting, right? whether or not you're reflecting. You're planning out your, your week, which is not a bad idea, right? Whether professionally or socially or religiously. So while thinking about the week, there's no harm. You're, you're, you're thinking, say, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. And this is, the Prophet said, one of the keys to, to good. So he says that there's a number of key benefits in remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What would you say is the greatest single benefit of remembering Allah? So we mentioned a number of benefits, but there's one benefit that's above 
all other benefits. That's true. And that, that, that's, that's, a, that's a, one, of, one of the benefits, but the greatest single benefit... Hmm? Yeah, it, we will connect to Allah, but more important than even that. Because connecting to, that's like, you know, the Arabs had a difficult time with love. Right? Why? Because the Arabs were a desert people. And generally, people didn't want to marry from their own tribe. Right? And the, 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 or their clan. Because clans used to, in the desert, they used to travel together from oasis to oasis. So where would you run into somebody... You'd run into them at the oasis. Some other tribe was there too. But the problem was that then your tribe would go this way, her tribe would go that way, and then you'd never find them again. So what do the poets say? Junintu bi Layla wa junnat bi ghayrina. I went mad in love of Layla, but she went mad in love of someone else. Wa as'abul jununi jununuha. And the most difficult of madness is her madness. Okay? Because in love, what matters so much is not whether you love Allah, but whether Allah loves you. Right? So in that sense, and someone did mention this, to be fair, the greatest benefit of the remembrance of Allah, and if there's no other benefit to it but this, it would be sufficient, is that Allah Most High, so He says the first benefit of remembrance of Allah is that the believer engaging in abundant remembrance of Allah entails Allah abundantly remembering His servant, remembering you or me. Right? And because Allah Most High says, فَاذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ So remember me, I will remember you. Right? And of course Allah is aware and has full knowledge of all things. Completely. So this remembrance is a particular recognition. And this is a particular recognition and honoring. Right? And the merit of this is unimaginable. There's a beautiful incident. It's related by Imam Ahmad in his Musnad um, from Abi Habba al-Badri that certain verses were revealed, right? From sur- the opening of Surah Al-Bayyina, لَمْ يَكُنِ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ So the whole surah was revealed. And the angel Ga- Gabriel said to the Prophet wasallam that, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ إِنَّ رَبَّكَ يَأْمُرُكَ أَنْ تُقْرِئَهَا أُبَيَّن So the angel Jibreel said, O Messenger of Allah, your Lord commands you to recite this surah to Ubay, who's one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, Ubay ibn Kaab. So the Prophet ﷺ said to Ubay that truly Gabriel commanded me to recite this verse to you. So Ubay, and he was a thoughtful believer, right? He said, was I mentioned there? Was I mentioned there? Meaning, in the divine presence, O Messenger of Allah, 
did, did Allah remember me? So the Messenger of Allah said, indeed he did. So Ubay just broke down crying. Ubay broke down crying. Because if you think about what it means that Allah remembers you, right? if, that Allah remembers you, right? in all of existence, there's something that you can do to have the particular attention, concern, and honoring of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of the, the Lord of existence, right? And similarly, it, it, you know, it, it's related from one of the early Muslims, Thabit al-Bunani, who said, and this is mentioned by Abu Nu'im. Now Thabit al-Bunani, who's from the generation after the, the companions, he says it has reached us. So he didn't say this is a hadith, but you cannot talk about matters of the, the hereafter unless, except if Allah and His Messenger mention something about it. Because matters of the hereafter are not determined by reason. So he says, it has reached us that the, that the believing servant will be made to stand on the day of resurrection in the presence of Allah, mighty and majestic. And Allah will ask them, O my servant, did you worship me amongst those who worshipped me? So, so the servants say, O Lord, yes. And then Allah will ask them, did you call upon me amongst those who called upon me? And the servant will say, O Lord, yes. Then Allah will ask them, did you remember me amongst those who remembered me? And the servant will say, O Lord, yes. So Allah Most High will, will say, by, by my majesty, I swear by my majesty, you did not remember me in any place whatsoever except that I remembered you in that place. And you did not call upon me, you did not make dua to me, with any supplication whatsoever, except that I answered it for you. Right? And then, Thabit al-Bunani said, that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, إِنَّ الْعَبْدَ الْمُسْلِمِ لَا تُرَدُّ لَهُ دَعْوَةً The believing servant does not have supplication that is rejected. The, the believing servant does not have supplication that is rejected. It's either granted for them in this life, or otherwise their sins are expiated for them through it. Right? And this is something that is important to realize that you know, the basis of our relationship with Allah is mercy. Is mercy. And Allah subhanahu wa says, in Ar-Rahmanu ala al-Arsh istawa, it is the all-merciful who is established on the throne of majesty. That Allah has chosen to make his dealings with, uh, with us, his creation, mercy. But we, so anytime we seek his mercy, we are just, you know, we are accepting what Allah has already granted. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, وَرَحْمَتِي وَسِعَتْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ My mercy encompasses all things. 
So the mercy is present. Our turning to Allah is accepting what is already present. And He is with you wherever you may be. Right? So it's not that if you do this, then there'll be a review process and maybe it'll be answered. We have to have the complete conviction right? that we call upon Allah. Because he, he, he tells us, Call upon me, I will answer you. There is no condition to that. But we need to, to be sincere about it. We need to be sincere about it. Right? But don't, you don't ever allow lack of hope or lack of certainty put you off. Or I'm not good enough. It doesn't say, call upon me if you're good enough and I will answer. No. So, so this is the first benefit of remembrance of Allah, right? That if that if you remember Allah, Allah subhanahu wa taala remembers you. Right? And to think about what a what a tremendous matter that that is, right? And that's why one of the greatest blessings that can occur in our lives is to have moments where we find time alone. Sometimes that can happen by circumstance. Right? That things happen in life and you, you're physically, socially alone for, for a period of time. And sometimes it can just happen that you have moments where you're in a state of reflection, where you're not accompanied by a lot of thoughts. And... of the greatest of things one can do, one can find in life, is moments where you feel alienated from creation. Why? Because as one of the great sages of Islam, Ibn Ata'illah secondly says, مَتَ أَوْحَشَكَ مِنْ خَلْقِهِ فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ أَرَادَ أَنْ يَفْتَحْ لَكَ بَابَ أُنْسِهِ That know well that any time Allah alienates you from His creation, he has opened for you a door of intimacy with him. Right? And that can be, you know, the big things in life, but also sometimes in the small things in life. Right? That, you know, you had an appointment with someone over coffee at, at noon, and it's twelve and it's twelve oh five, they're not there yet. So instead of so now you have time where You're alone, right? So what the, the greatest thing you can do in that time is just to take the opportunity to, to turn to Allah. Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't have to do anything fancy. You don't have to bring out you know, a big fancy sibha. Sometimes going off to pray can be difficult. You're, you're sitting in a coffee shop. You know, in, in, but just it's all, all it requires is, is, is moving your tongue. Right? So, and, and to have that certitude and that gratitude that remember me and I will remember you so that's that's the first benefit the second benefit that Sheikh Abdullah Siraj al-Din mentions is that engaging in abundant remembrance of Allah Most High is of the most beloved of actions to Allah Most High and 
the, of the best of actions with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and of the closest of actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? There's a hadith related by Ibn Abi Dunya and At-Tabarani from Malik ibn Yakhamir that Mu'adh ibn Jabal ta'ala who said to them, so this is from the words of Mu'adh ibn Jabal, one of the great companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and قلت أي الأعمال أحب إلى الله تعالى. So Mu'adh bin Jabal said that the the last words with which I parted from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam were that I asked him which actions are most beloved to Allah Most High. And and that's a smart question. That very often we ask random questions, right? That someone asks this question, that on the answer is that if there are 25 people, let's say, living in a living, just the 25 of them in a remote place, can they establish Jummah? And then the, the questioner said, I'm not in that situation and I don't expect to be, but I was just wondering, right? Now, that's fine. That's fine. And the role of fiqh is to answer those questions. So, Sheikh Yusuf you know, answered that question. We did a bit of back and forth about... It was actually, how, how do they establish Friday prayer or not? That's fine. Because we need guidance. We need clarity about the limits and what we can and cannot do. But the greatest question is, this kind of question. What do I need to attain the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Right? So Sayyidina Ma'ad was parting with the Prophet sallallahu and the last thing that he, he asked the Prophet sallallahu is, what actions are most beloved to Allah most high? And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu is reported to have said, For you to die while your tongue is moist with the remembrance of Allah. And similarly, Abu Sa'id al Khudri relates in this hadith is in, in Tirmidhi that the Messenger of Allah was asked, which of which of the, which of Allah's servants have the highest rank? with Allah Most High on the Day of Resurrection. Which of the servants of Allah have the highest rank with Allah Most High in the hereafter? And the Messenger of Allah said, Those who remember Allah the most. Right? Those who remember Allah most abundantly. Right? And there's many different narrations of this hadith. Right? That this is of the most beloved of actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet ﷺ asked the companions that, أَلَا أُخْبِرُكُمْ بِخَيْرِ أَعْمَالِكُمْ Should I not tell you about the best of your actions? وَأَزْكَاهَا عِنْدَ مَلِيكِكُمْ And the purest of your actions with your, with your master, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And better for you than to give gold and silver in charity. And better for you than to meet your enemy in, 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 in battle and to strike their necks and for them to strike yours. So the Sahaba said, do tell us, O Messenger of Allah. And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Dhikrullahi Azza wa Jal, the remembrance of Allah, mighty and majestic. Because anything done in a state of remembrance of Allah is better than the same action done lacking the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So in that sense, there's no action that can be better than remembrance of Allah. Because what is the heart of prayer? It's remembrance of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, أَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ لِذِكْرِ Establish the prayer for my remembrance. Right? Yeah, it's, it's any... Yeah, dhikr, remembrance of Allah is any way of mentioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the ways that the Prophet taught us. For example, to say, La ilaha illallah. To say, Subhanallah, glory be to Allah. To say, Alhamdulillah, all praise is Allah's. Allahu Akbar, Allah is the truly great. Right? Or other, the other modes to say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. There's no ability nor power except by Allah. Right? Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil. Allah is our sufficiency and He is the best of guardians. Right? And the many different ways that the Prophet Sallallahu taught. Dua is a type of remembrance. But dua, you're asking for something. Right? Dua, you're asking for something. Dhikr, in a sense, dhikr is purer. Right? Because you're, you're mentioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're mentioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and the heart needs both. The heart needs both. You know, dhikr strengthens your, your faith itself. But dhikr and dua are, complement, are complementary. This is why after the prayer, we, we, do, we, we engage in both. Right? Even within the prayer, there's acts of dhikr and there's acts of dua. Right? Of mentioning Allah and there's acts of asking Allah. And both. The Fatiha is a beautiful example. Right? The first half of the Fatiha is remembrance of Allah. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praises due to Allah, Lord of the worlds. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Merciful and compassionate. Maliki Yawmuddin. The second half is asking Allah SWT. Ihdina Sirat al-Mustaween. Guide us to the path that's straight. That's supplication. But we need both. Because if you just engage in dua, you can also become kind of complacent. It's like your, your shopping list of worldly and spiritual needs. Here is what I want. Right? A third benefit of remembrance of Allah So the first is that remember Allah and He will remember you Second is that it's the actions that are Remembrance is the, is the act most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The third is that remembrance of Allah brings hearts to life right? Remembrance of Allah brings hearts to life And what is it that we present to Allah on the day of resurrection? Yeah, it's, it, we present our hearts. Right? The day when neither wealth nor family benefit one. Except one who comes to Allah with a 
sound, pure heart. So in a hadith related by Imam Bukhari from Anas, may Allah be well pleased with him, that he said that the Prophet said, The the comparison of the one who remembers their Lord and the one who doesn't remember their Lord is like the example of the living and the dead. The example of the one who remembers their Lord and the one who does not is like the example of the living and the dead. So to what extent are you really alive? is to the extent that you are remembering Allah and conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the true life is not the material life. The true life is the life of the heart. Right? And it is by having a living heart that one's spiritual works comes, come to life. So rather than having the mere forms of righteous deeds, one has the reality of righteous deeds. Right? And and there's a beautiful supplication. We'll be putting it up um, on the on the seekers page. Bismillah Taala. If if you can catch it, Omar, you could put it up with with the translation. So Rawat Tirmidhi, rahimahullah, an Abi Huraira, radhiyallahu taala anhu, anhu qal. دعاء حفظته من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا أدعه. So Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu says, there's a dua that, that I memorized from the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم, which I never leave. Right? اللهم اجعلني أعظم شكرك وأكثر ذكرك وأتبع نصحك وأحفظ وصيتك. Allahumma ja'alni u'zimu shukrak. Allah, make me magnify, you know, magnify your gratitude, gratitude for you. Make me magnify gratitude for you. Right? Don't just make your grat- my gratitude for you, just token. Say alhamdulillah, just move on. Right? Make me, Allah, make me magnify your gratitude. وَأُكْثِرُ ذِكْرَكَ And make me remember you abundantly. وَأَتْبَعُ نُصْحَكَ And make me of those who follow your counsel. Right? Because like the whole Qur'an is Allah convincing us to do what's of benefit for us. Right? But it's like, it's quite strange. Right? Because it's not for His benefit, but it's for ours. وَأَحْفَظُ وَصِيَتَكَ And make me guard your Your admonition, your your wasiya, uh, your admonition. So this is a beautiful supplication of the Prophet Allahumma jalni u'zimu shukrak. Allah, make me magnify your gratitude. Wa ukthiru dhikrak and remember you abundantly. Wa atba'u nushak and follow your counsel. Wa ahfazu wasiyatak and guard your your, your guidance. Right? And there's many hadiths about this meaning of hearts coming to life by remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And 
One of the many examples of that are many of the hadiths of the Prophet ﷺ related to bringing our hearts to life. And one of the things in general, you know, it's hard to catch every dua from, from a lesson, but something that, because remembrance is connected with supplication, is a book that any house should have is a work by Imam Nawawi called Kitab al-Athkar, the book of remembrance. The ulama would say, Bi'iddar washtari al-Athkar. Sell your house if you must, but buy the book of remembrance. Because these are the words of the Prophet ﷺ, right? His supplications and his remembrance, his dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Imam Nawawi arranged it in a magnificent way. It's got over a thousand narrations in it. But also, he mentions some of the proper manners, some of the keys, briefly, so even related to travel. He doesn't just list the supplications, but he also relates some of the proprieties related to it, some of the, the, the things that would make our acts and remembrance fruitful. And sometimes our religion becomes stale because we're just doing the same thing again and again. If you think about it, it's amazing that we're able to sustain the same thing for decades without variation. Right? It's actually a magnificent feat of human consistency and commitment. Right? That every time the adhan happens, we say exactly the same thing. Whereas that's not the sunnah actually. Right? Because the Prophet taught us numerous different things to say in each of the places. For example, what do we say in our ruku'ah? Right? Yeah, we say Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim. Someone might have learned one more dua after that. There are literally numerous things that the Prophet taught to say in Ruku'ah. There are numerous things the Prophet said to say in Sujood, in our prostration. What do we say at the end of our prayer before giving salams? There's many different things. What do we say after the prayer? Right? We remember there's a few things that we do. We do them, but by just so some of them are particularly emphasized, but it just becomes rote. So one of the things practically to do is to always keep, you know, to have some things that are constant in our, we make them consistent habits in our prayer, after our prayer, and other times in the day. But there are numerous supplications of the Prophet right? It's to keep our our, both our dhikr and our dua fresh. So one example of that, um, Ibn Sunni relates from Anas radiallahu ta'anhu that he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, If you hear the mu'adhin, give the adhan, then say, Allahumma aftah lana aqfala qulubina bidhikrik. O Allah, open the locks of our hearts with your remembrance. Allahumma aftah lana aqfala qulubina bidhikrik. O Allah, open the locks of our hearts with your remembrance. وَأَتْمِمْ عَلَيْنَا نِعْمَتَكْ مِنْ فَضْلِكْ And complete for us your blessing from your grace or from your bounty. وَجْعَلْنَا مِنْ عِبَادِكَ الصَّالِحِينَ And make us of your righteous servants. But you see, you see here, what is it that opens our hearts? It's the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And 
one of the reasons why the Prophet ﷺ told us to make this dua after the adhan, because the adhan, after the adhan is one of the places where dua is answered. Now even if you don't know this dua, and you can find it in any comprehensive collection of prophetic duas, is to ask for this. Right? That, O oh Allah, bring my heart to life with your remembrance. Right? And so these three meanings, says um, Sheikh Abdullah Sirajuddin, is you know, these three things encompass goodness. Right? They, they encompass goodness. Right? For if, if there's something you can do in life that can cause Allah to remember you, and to do something that is truly beloved to Allah, and that brings your heart to life, and that is the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's why you know, a practical commitment that, that we should make is to bring, is to practice this teaching of the Prophet Sallallahu to keep our tongues moist with the remembrance of Allah. And one of the most practical ways to do it is what's called the baqiyat al-salihat, the, the lasting good deeds, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that the lasting good deeds are better and more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Sahaba asked the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, what are the lasting good deeds? Of course, the lasting good deeds have a broad sense, which is any, any action done for the sake of Allah is a lasting good deed because they're rewarded eternally. But the Prophet mentioned a key to making lasting good deeds happen in one's life, the Prophet ﷺ said, the lasting good deeds are to say, Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. Right? Subhanallah, because when we say Subhanallah, glory be to Allah, we mean that exalted is, is Allah beyond all imperfections. Characterized is Allah by all perfections. Right? It's the spiritual wow. Right? How Truly glorious is my Lord. Right? Right, so when you say subhanallah, it's to think about the greatness and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Walhamdulillah. And all praise is Allah. To think about His, his attributes. Right? To think about His actions. Right? To think about your blessings. Right? Both your particular blessings and all the blessings around us, right? To have a deep sense of gratitude when we say Alhamdulillah. Wala ilaha illallah. There is no God but God. Right? And we say La ilaha illallah. There's none worthy of worship but Allah. But why is there none worthy of worship but Allah? Because what is the meaning of God? Right? Because God is the creator. God is the one worthy of worship. But why is God worthy of worship? The scholars explain, because from the Qur'anic understanding, God is the one free of need of any other whom all are in absolute need of. Right? So when you say, La ilaha illallah, there is no God but God, there is none free of need whatsoever whom all are in absolute need of but Allah. Right? This is both an admission of need for Allah and also a freedom from all need but Allah. Right? So it, it, it affirms matter, it, it talk, 
When we say La ilaha illallah, it is affirming things about Allah, that He alone is God, but it's also affirming who you are, that you are a servant to none but, but Allah. Okay? Right? Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. Allah alone is the absolute great. It's normally translated as Allah, God is greater, but here greater is not in the comparative sense, it's in the superlative sense. God is greater for He is the absolutely great, because there's no comparison. Right? If there's someone who doesn't know how to make coffee and someone who makes coffee really well, so I say, I don't know how to make coffee, but Emilio knows how to make coffee really well. Right? I can't even, it's like, I had a friend, he organized like a, a teaching trip I had in the UK. So he, he gave instructions in Northern England, at least in the Muslim community, they don't drink coffee. At least five years ago, it hadn't caught on, right? At least in the Muslim community. Like London and more posh cities, but this was like in a small town, in, in like post-industrial uh, Northern England, pretty depressing places. So he gave detailed instructions on how to use a French press. They gave it, the Brits give it some funny name, a cafetiere or something. So I'm sitting, like having breakfast at someone's home, and I'm seeing what they're doing. You have to be polite because we're having breakfast. So they put the right amount of coffee. Because he gave like detailed checklist of how to make coffee. He just forgot one step, which was heat the water. <laughs> so then they filled a, a jug with cold water. And they, it said pour this much of water. But it assumed that you'd boil the water because you're making coffee. So they put cold water on top of the coffee. And then it was quite spectacular because there's these grains that were sort of dancing. I was short of sleep. I could still visualize the, the grains dancing in the cold water. Um, I said, it's not. And I said, oh my God. Don't we have to heat the water, Shay? I said, don't worry about it. The, the tea is fine. But the. <laughs> right? Um, the, yeah, so there's no comparison, right? Like there's not, there, there's many great things and Allah is greater, Allah is the absolutely great. And the Prophet said, it doesn't matter which of them you begin with. Whether you say them in order and they have a flow, subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. Or sometimes, you know, you're in a situation where you're feeling a bit heavy and you want to focus on gratitude. Alhamdulillah. Right? It's all good. Right? Or you really, f- f- you know, the, the meaning of La ilaha illallah really resonates with you. So focus on that. Right? So this is one of the, the keys is to, 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 to strive to say these as abundantly as one can. Right? Throughout, throughout, one's, throughout one's day. And, and also, of course, there's a great wisdom and it points to the merits of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That one of the things that the Prophet ﷺ most emphasized after the prayer was to make the tasbih. Right? And, it's called, and it's, in some lands it's known as the, tas, uh, uh, the, the Fatimi tasbih. The tasbih of Fatima. Because say the Fatima asked for a servant. Because she had to do a lot of, a lot of work and it was a big burden on her. And the Prophet ﷺ refused. 
to get her a servant. He said, I'll give you something better than that. And something better than freeing a slave from the descendants of Ibrahim. Or from the descendants of Ismail. And he taught her these tasbihs. So in general, actions that benefit others are better than actions that benefit you yourself. One of the great Shafi'i scholars, Al-Izz ibn Abd al-Sam said, well, there's one exception. Right? Textually, one exception is the tasbih after the prayer. So the Prophet said, it's better than freeing the most deserving of slaves, a slave who's a descendant of Ismail alayhi salam. Right? So these tasbihs after the prayer are something that, that we really neglect. Like if we say them, a lot of people go, zrr, 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 done. Right? Now Allah is merciful. Right? Imagine if you hired people to build spiritual capital. Right? Imagine if spiritual capital was tangible. Like, you know, people have wealth management firms. You had spiritual management firm. What would you do with, what would you do with somebody who, who you hired to build spiritual capital and this is what they did? And you're paying them. You're paying them. Would you keep them, would you keep them on the job? Would anyone keep them on the job? Right? But, you know, thank God we're not God. Right? Like Allah is merciful. He overlooks all of this and we should still be hopeful of, of Allah's reward. But the key to remembrance having impact in our hearts is strive to mean it and then say it. Right? Because it's like in a statement of love. Imagine if you go to your wife and, and say, honey, I, I love you. And then you say, you know what? I actually do. Right? And then you tell her, honey, you look beautiful. And then you actually pay attention to her and say, actually you do. And then you say, and uh, you, 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 look really, you're, you're, you, you look really nice today. And then you, you look and say, yeah, you, you do. Right? <laughs> you think you're crazy because you're supposed to say things do you say things and then mean them? No. Like they say, words are meanings that you express in language. Right? Right? That speech is meanings expressed, expressed through language, through words. So similarly, a key to our dhikr or our dua or our prayer having impact is mean it, and then say it. So just, it just takes a moment. Have the meaning of subhanallah in your heart and say subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah. It doesn't take much longer. And you can time yourself if you're stingy. Say, no, seriously. We, um, does anyone have a, you have a subhanallah? Do you know how to count on your fingers? Okay, so see, Faisal will help us. We'll close with this, right? Let's do, let's do two... Are you, are, are you like a, a, a qualified desi? Because, you know, because Indo-Paks have a capacity for speed that Arabs don't. One of the great Hadith scholars of India w was in Jordan. And, w w and he was staying with a friend of mine. And 
three of the most capable scholars under 50 alive, three of the most capable Arab scholars under 50, were there. And we're with, with this scholar, uh, Sheikh Iqbal Azami, who's done a lot of brilliant work in the UK, started the UK Islamic Academy and so on. So we asked him if we could read the opening of Sunan Abi Dawood, one of the great books of Hadith. So Sheikh Amjad Rashid, who's quite possibly the most capable Shafi'i scholar under the age of 50 in the world. So he was reading. I was sitting sort of next to Sheikh Iqbal Azami. So when we pause at the end of the first section, he said to me, in Urdu, says that he doesn't know how to read properly. Can you read faster? <laughs> and this is like a distinguished scholar and he's reading fluently. I said, why? He says, he's reading so slowly. That this is not how you read Hadith. And he's reading at a fine pace. But Daisies have like, you know, you have five gears. They have gears seven, six, seven, and eight. Right? So, so let's, do, let's do two. Who can, anyone know how to time? Let's just do quick tasbihs. Who can keep track of time? Anybody? Can you? I'm clumsy with these kinds of things. So we'll just do like quick tasbihs. And anyone else wants to time it? Ahlan wa sahlan. So let's just do really quick tasbihs. And I'm probably not as fast as you are. Okay. Ready? Okay. No, 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 count up. No, yeah. you count on the start. Okay. Three, three two, one. What? 22 seconds. 22 seconds and 50 to do, to do it really quickly. Right? Now let's do it at a decent pace. Right? At a, and there's people who can do it faster than 22 seconds. Right? Like I did all the tasbih. Like 30 times yeah, 33. Yeah, 33, 33. 30. And Allahu Akbar, 34. Okay? So that was like, that was at like H, you know, HDS, right? High DC speed. And there's people who do it faster than that, right? Okay. So let's do it at a, at a decent pace. SubhanAllah, 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 Fifty two seconds. So it so it takes but fifty two seconds after every prayer and you do it at a steady pace. No one's saying go like fancily slow, right? But fifty two seconds after every prayer, 
and you pray five times a day, that's not even five minutes, right? right? But it, just having a little bit of focus on what you're saying will actually give that dhikr some impact. Because you are, just by doing that, you are remembering Allah 500 times a day. That's outside the tasbihs that you do within the prayer, in ruku' and sujood, right? They say that if you want to be of those who remember Allah a lot, one of the ways to start is just strive to make the... And someone could do the calculation. And there's smart people, and Fessel's looking really smart today, right? Let's just count. In each rak'ah of the prayer, how many times do we do make, say, Allahu Akbar? Or make tasbih in the bowing and prostration. Okay. And the number of rakahs of obligatory prayer we, we perform. Like daily we make, at, at plus the tasbihs we do after the prayer. We, we engage in loads of dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the, the problem is we just do it on the tongue. Okay. So, but one of the benefits of making dhikr outside is that it wakes up the heart. So dhikr goes from the tongue, it starts going towards the heart. And that helps transform the prayer. That's why Imam Ghazali says, one of the greatest means of improving your presence of heart within the prayer is to engage in remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala outside the prayer. Right? Because if you can be conscious of Allah outside the prayer, when you come to the prayer, it'll be that much easier to have remembrance of you know real remembrance of Allah outside the prayer. Any questions here? So don't sell yourself short when it comes to the tasbihs after the prayer. Uh, why does it have to be exactly thirty-three times? Um, that's what the Prophet ﷺ taught. Right? There's two types of rulings in our religion. There's some relig- rulings that are what, what's call, what are called ma'qulul ma'na. The, 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 the meaning behind an action is rationally discernible. Right? So why don't we lie? Why don't we cheat? Or why do we worship Allah broadly? The meaning is understood. Right? That gratitude, expressing gratitude for the one who bestows favor upon you is, is discernible rationally. But why do we pray in this particular way? That is what's called ta'abbudi. That is a, a devotional act. That, that's how Allah has commanded us. Right? And that's part of being a slave. That we exercise our reason to understand. We also re- recognize that we are His servants. So why is pork prohibited? One of the great myths in Islam. Right? Not that the pork is prohibited, but the reasoning. Why is pork prohibited? Anyone? Isn't it supposed to be that it's like spiritually unclean to like to consume it? Spiritually unclean to consume it, but why? To just have negative health negative health benefits, but soda I, I recall having um, you know deep fried ice cream at someone's home some years ago, and <laughs> I'm not sure that has too many. Um, I don't think there's a strong case to be made for, you know, biryani, right? <laughs> right? Um, 
and no, none of those are, you know, because if just by pure health standards, someone who had a little bit of pork a day versus a lot of meat a day, whose health would be more adversely affected? Right? Yeah, the one who. So, the prohibition of pork is ultimately a devotional ruling. It's a hukum ta'abudi. There's certain rulings that are expressions of our slavehood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What's more harmful, pork or sugar? Right? As mentioned to some people recently, right? sugar is devastating to, to health, right? but it's not prohibited. Whereas pork, even in a small amount, is prohibited. There is a case that, abund- that if you have a lot of sugar regularly, then the act of, your act of having that much sugar a day is disliked. Because anything that causes small amounts of harm is disliked. But long term, you're committing a sin because you are betraying the, the basic trust on your, on your body. Right? Um, so, you know, the reason pork is prohibited, it's a, it's a devotional matter. So similarly, why do we, for example, why do we prostrate twice? It's a devotional matter. Right? That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned. A wisdom of repeating it abundantly is for the meaning to sink in. Is for the meaning to sink in. Um, Is for the meaning uh, to sink in. And these are central meanings. All the meanings of prayer can be summarized in these three meanings. Glorifying Allah, subhanAllah, glorification, gratitude, and magnification. Right? Right? SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, and Allahu Akbar. Um, so, and one of the wisdoms of doing that after the prayer is for those meanings that one ben- should have benefited from in the prayer to be imbued in our consciousness. Any questions from the sisters? The brothers are very talkative today. So I have, I have a question here, hypothetical. So quality versus quantity, right? Hmm. So let's say it takes five seconds to say subhanAllah five times. Hmm. No, no. Ultimately, Allah knows best. But of course, something said with presence of heart is incomparably more powerful than something said heedlessly. So sometimes, so many of the early Muslims said, don't drink cold water. Because cold water is from the joys of this world. And being attached to the joys of this world weakens your avidness for, for spiritual joys. But other scholars said no. When you have a choice, drink cold water. And of course in the old days with, before refrigeration, drinking cold water required a lot of effort. They, they used to do all kinds of fancy things to cool down the water. And the Muslims were actually pretty smart about it, like the different ways of, of cooling. Right? Um, he said, because when you drink lukewarm water and say, Alhamdulillah, it's largely your tongue that is praising Allah. But when you drink cold water and then say, Alhamdulillah, your entirety is expressing gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? 
So, so in itself, yeah, sometimes how could someone not engage in dhikr and have greater reward than someone engaging in dhikr? It's the one whose heart is filled with a state of remembrance. Right? Someone ate it, you know, had a cup of, you know, the, you know, the, you know, I'm not a fan of espresso, but they call it the, the God shot, right? Or you can call it the divine shot, right? You pulled the perfect shot of espresso. So you drink a sip of it, and you're just in a state of gratitude. You're so immersed in gratitude, you didn't even say subhanallah, or alhamdulillah, or anything. Right? And someone drinks it, and they're like, alhamdulillah, 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 but they're just thinking about, what am I having for lunch after this? Right? Right? But, at the same time, and we'll, we'll, we'll close with this, one of the, because of what's come in the Qur'an and the Sunnah about engaging in remembrance of Allah abundantly, uh, Ibn Ata'illah Sakandari, um, whose aphorisms are one of the great summaries of um, Islamic teachings on, in, on purification of the heart, he says, لَا تَتْرُكِ الذِّكْرِ Do not leave the remembrance of Allah. لِعَدَمِ حُضُورِكَ مَعَ اللَّهِ فِيهِ Due to your lack of presence of Allah in the remembrance. لِأَنَّ غَفْلَتَكَ عِنْدَ وُجُودِ ذِكْرِهِ لِأَنَّ غَفْلَتَكَ عَنْ وُجُودِ ذِكْرِهِ أَشَدْ مِنْ غَفْلَتِكَ عِنْدَ وُجُودِ ذِكْرِهِ Because your heedlessness of Allah, your heedlessness from the remembrance of Allah, is worse for you than your heedlessness during the remembrance of Allah. And don't leave the remembrance of Allah. Just because you don't have presence of heart in the remembrance. Because your heedlessness of the remembrance of Allah is worse for you than your heedlessness in the remembrance of Allah. Because it may be that Allah will take you from remembrance in which there is heedlessness, ghafla, to remembrance in which there is consciousness of Allah subhanahu and it may be that he'll then take you from remembrance in which there's consciousness of Allah to remembrance in which there's presence of heart with Allah. And it may be that he'll take you from remembrance in which there's presence of heart with Allah to remembrance in which there's absence from all but the one remembered. And then he says, وَمَا ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ بِعَزِيزٍ And that's not difficult for Allah. So one stays in, in dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Shaghuri, one of the great scholars of Damascus of the 20th century, the teacher of Sheikh Noor Keller, um, he mentioned that when he was a, in his young teens, Sheikh Ahmad al-Alawi al-Mustaghanimi, who, who has a biography by Martin Lings, the author of the famous Sirah, um, he came to Damascus from, Al- in, from Algeria. Now, the, the, in Damascus, they hadn't figured out how to make good socks. They still haven't. At least they hadn't in the late 90s. The socks there had a death wish. You, they, outside massages and stuff, they'd sell them by the dozen. Because literally, you, you wear them, like I literally got socks, wear them, get home, and there's a hole in them. It's like, how does that happen? Right? So Sheikh Ahmed al-Alawi, and Algeria had been, you know, under French, you know, colonization and stuff. He's wearing these really fine Parisian socks. So Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Shaghuri, who as a teenager worked in the, in the textile, textile mills, 
and he actually later became the head of the trade union, textile um, uh, workers trade union, and did 14 national strikes against the text, you know, textile mill owners. He's like, what kind of sheikh would wear socks like those? Okay? What kind of sheikh would wear fan, you know, fine socks like those? Like, whatever. But he was asked to serve him. So, you know, Sheikh Ahmed al-Alawi went and made wudu and took off his socks. And he's so offended, just looking at the socks. Like, what kind of sheikh is this? Right? So he said, when he had to give a talk, and he gave, a, gave this talk at this masjid called the Nuriya, which is masjid of Nuruddin, a Zenji. The, the, the great Muslim ruler before Sultan Salahuddin. Sheikh Abdurrahman said, after like, you know, getting the Sheikh to the front and stuff, he went and sat at the back, leaning back completely, like, you know, against the wall, like, whatever. Like, how can you listen to a Sheikh who wears socks like those? He says, but then he started talking about this aphorism, like, don't leave the remembrance of Allah due to your... Uh, lack of presence of heart in the remembrance because your heedlessness of the remembrance of Allah is more harmful than you, for you, than your heedlessness in the remembrance of Allah. And he explained it. He said, I began sitting back like this and at the end, all of me was ears. Right? He said, because if that's how he talks about matters of spirituality, then I don't care what kind of socks he wears. <laughs> so... So, um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us to be of those who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala much. Um, and, you know, so try to keep your tongue moist in the remembrance of Allah. Pay attention to the dhikr within the prayer and after the prayer. One of the best ways of engaging in dhikr is the very same dhikr we do after the prayer. Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, ad la ilaha illallah, and Allahu Akbar. You can say this at any and all times, except in the places where it's obvious not to say it. Um, and keep turning to Allah in remembrance. And the final thing that we mentioned, that really a commitment to make, right, is get a, a copy of Imam Nawawi's Kitab al-Athkar. And it's a real gem. We made the commitment because we finalized this, the, the, the schedule for 2020, inshallah, um, twice a week. So we, we had this thing going on previously called the Roha, which on the evenings we... You know, each day we'd have a brief reminder. Um, um, so twice a week we'll be reading from Kitab al-Athkar of Imam Nawi, the Book of Remembrance. Uh, so it'll be like 7 to 7, uh, 15, 7.20 each day. And that we'll be broadcasting that live online. But this is something that it's also just good to keep handy. Because anything that happens in life, there's either dhikr or dua related to it and proper manners. It's an amazing manual. And you, know, you've, and you want to improve your prayer? Just open up, see what are things you can say within the prayer. Write it out, or if you're a slacker like me, just take a snapshot of it, and, and you have it. Um, so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring our hearts to life. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Alhamdulillah. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah